Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You are tuned in to the Foul Weather Podcast the forecast to your next successful hunt. Coming to you from the home office, Jack's Reef, New York. Howling winds and howling hunters. In this episode, we track the cold weather system that's driving deep into the mid-continent with howling winds and <laughs> it's sending ducks south. For some, the season, for some of y'all, it's it's over. But for others, it's it's just heating up. It's moving birds south. We also cover what I would say is our first controversial topic of the of the foul weather podcast season. Uh, we're going to cover the abandonment of waterfall conservation, waterfall habitat management, and quality waterfall hunting experiences for duck hunters across North America on federal and state lands. Um, you know, hunters should have a voice because to this day they carry the majority of the burden for, for conservation. So the Fall Weather Podcast team here is going to scratch the surface of this topic. And I'm sure we, this isn't going to be the last time we cover it in kind of some shape, manner, or form. We truly thank our every week listeners. You know who you are. Those that never miss a single weekly migration forecast episode each Monday morning. Y'all are ate up as much as me about ducks, duck biology, and duck migration. Thank you for being a dedicated listener and being the first to know when ducks are moving into your area. I'm your host, Dr. Mike, coming to you from the home office in Jack's Reef. The cold and snow continues, driving a bit deeper south in the mid-continent than expected, but the east still remains relatively unseasonably warm. I mean, the home office here in Jack's Reef heats with wood, and we've only fired up the wood stove a few times this season, mostly kind of to get the damp chill out. This week, we're in like the 70s and 80s. It's in the teens in Montana and the Dakotas, so ducks on the move, folks. If you're just joining us or catching up, go ahead and give uh, some prior episodes a listen, including the bonus episode, Predicting the Grand Passage of Ducks, kind of the details how we make our weekly migration forecasts. Maybe also check out our seasonal forecast episode, part one. Um, tells about how we forecast kind of long-term what conditions will be. Part two will drop on the 6th of November, where we'll provide our seasonal forecast for folks in the deep south or an insight into the weather coming in December and January that it may or may not uh, push ducks to your front door. So if you listen to part one of the seasonal forecast, you're probably going to note that we, we call for a warmer than normal prairie over the winter. And that's still highly likely to happen despite the current snow and kind of cold event that's forecast over the last week. You know, the El Nino conditions are more about the depth of winter in December, you know, through February. And those effects aren't just aren't in, in, at full impact level yet. Think about this as the planet seasonally cools, right? The northern hemisphere seasonally cools, especially with this like really extremely warm ocean that we have. 
a wobbly jet stream is more likely than ever. And as this, this stuff equilibrates, we're going to get these cold outbreaks or kind of polar vortex disruptions early in the season. In fact, some of the most recent science on these patterns in changing climate suggests more weather whiplash, right, over the next 50 years. A really cold, then really warm, then really cold, then really warm kind of extremes kind of back to back. So more weather whiplash over the next 50 years than the 50 years before. So just simply becoming more variable. I mean, hell, my wife shot a mule deer on a near 70 degree day early last week. And now that same place where she was at is lucky to be getting into the 20s. Whew, burr, right? It's a, it's a rough world out there up in the uh, northern prairies. So this weather whiplash or how these things are still variable, even when, you know, we provide a, what I would say is a pretty solid seasonal forecast under El Nino. This is why you want to listen to the Fall Weather Podcast each week, why it's so important. For those that tuned in to last week's forecast and had time off work um, they and got right after it in front of and through that cold front before the ducks left town, and the snow and cold crushed them. They did. It sounds like they did really well. We got an email from Kyle from Bismarck, North Dakota, and he said numbers were of ducks were just insane, you know. But the mercury was dropping fast, and you know he's worried about just this is this is the end of it. So um, the Fall Weather Podcast team got a shout out for alerting him of the coming weather, and he took a few days off work. He said, you know, looks like ice fishing season coming. So. Uh, we'll see Kyle. Maybe we'll see some, you know, weird warm up um, and maybe some birds hold out in the Missouri and there's still some shooting. Um, but but nothing right now indicates that in the in the coming week. It looks like a pretty full blown freeze out event across the Canadian prairies and northern U.S. prairies. So I can attest myself to this freeze out event because my wife is currently um, well, by the time we're recording, it'll be like last week or whatever, but. My wife's stuck in the Williston, North Dakota airport with a mule deer and a cooler, hoping to get that home sooner than later. I mean, this is an awesome early event that's moving ducks south in abundance. The question now is, do the ducks travel only to the mid-latitudes and stay around or go farther? Uh, I don't know. We really think this first event will move most of them to mid-latitudes with a trickle kind of to more you know, southern latitudes later. Although the drought in the mid-continent is likely to move a few ducks farther south in a hurry, it's just likely kind of not tomorrow, right? We also want to take an opportunity this week to give a shout-out to Dr. Mike Brazier and the DU podcast team. Um, I myself interviewed with them last week, and that episode is likely kind of out now. So search DU podcast Schumer, S-C-H-U-M-M-E-R. DU Podcast, Schumer, S-C-H-U-M-M-E-R. Again, two M's, not related to Chuck Schumer. Um, and you should find that most recent episode. So, right, do you, they do a great job informing kind of what I call waterfall enthusiasts. Um, they're probably among the best at doing that. The DU team certainly kind of, you know, has to keep some type of sidebar on their on their podcast because they're just a super well-respected organization, right? They have a single mission, waterfall habitat to fill the skies with ducks. And, you know, in all my travels, it's without pause. I believe that they've done just that. They filled the skies with ducks for us all. I mean, everybody's got their opinions, but 
I don't know. I'm on the inside. DU just crushes it, right? Um, other other folks do too, um, you know, and we'll, we'll chat about those folks in future episodes. Um, and there's there's no endorsement. We have we have zero sponsors right now, so I'm just saying DU does a good job, and that's all there is to it, right? Right, so, you know, DU's got these sidebars, and the opposite bookend is um, the Joe Duck Hunter podcast that kind of grinds it out across this great country, and much love for y'all. I, I listen to a bunch of them. Keep up your great work. It's it's cool stuff. It connects duck hunters with what's going on um, culturally in duck country, so keep it up. But, you know, we at at the Foul Weather Podcast, like to think that we hang someplace in that sweet spot in between. We look to bring you the best science and that novel duck migration forecast each week, but we also want to be a little edgy, right? I mean, look, for those of you that know me, and and you're going to get a feeling for this in a, as, you, as you listen to the Foul Weather Podcast, I'm not the darling of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service or the Atlantic Flyway. I mean, I might be deep in the science, I might work to get funding from folks, but I take a real high road. And there are many, many, so very many problems with the system that does not always look out for duck hunters. I'm not here to make enemies. Never have I been in any place trying to make enemies. In fact, like at the Foul Weather podcast, we always just take the high road. But if a biologist says they is in duck hunters don't need to know that because it's too complicated we're always going to call bullshit that is not a place that we hang our hat as you can see we at the follow other podcast try to break down all the information so that it's digestible to everyday hunters so that they can be involved in the process that affects them as the great hunters that they are Look, if they won't break it down for you, we will. We hope that makes the needle move the right direction so that duck hunter interests are taken seriously. Right? I talked about howling winds. Now we're talking about howling hunters. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So the topic at hand this week, there is serious heartburn about an eroding focus on waterfall conservation, waterfall habitat management, and providing quality hunts for waterfall on federal and state lands. If you work for a refuge, wildlife management area, or otherwise that hits all the buttons, you know, appropriately for waterfall hunters, kind of please scroll on or don't. I mean, go ahead and go ahead and listen. But this is not a message for you. But I do think that an abundance of hunters are pretty fed up with redirection of funds and people power away from waterfall on managed areas, especially when they were created for waterfall in the first place. Look, we have the duck stamp, the North American Waterfall Management Plan, the North American Wetlands Conservation Act that is the vehicle for the North American Waterfall Management Plan. We have a century of proven results, draw systems, quality hunts, quality wetland management, and I think it's disappearing before our eyes. We can't cover all aspects of this subject today. 
But if you have a story of that loss of focus on waterfall management in your area, send an email to drmike at foulweather.co. That's C-O, not com. So drmike at foulweather.co. And we will look to feature kind of your local story. In New York, where the home office resides, we can see a refocusing on other species. It's just culturally a different place than the mid-continent. But when I hear about places like Missouri, where I know the model of waterfall conservation is being challenged and eroded, that gives us pause. How can what many of us consider the cradle of like modern waterfall hunt management be giving up? I think really this is mostly university students coming out of programs without a waterfall course, without a wetland management course under their belts, and not really knowing the importance of waterfall conservation as a driver of wetland conservation in this country. We need you to all know, too, that you know you folks, the hunters, are the champions of conservation because Forward-thinking people realized years ago that they needed to earmark funds from waterfall hunters so that it went back towards conserving that resource that they cared about. A lot of these other voices, these, these voices that aren't focused on waterfall, really have little direct funding involved. So let me take a step back and make this you know a little personal. I'm a bird lover at heart. I teach ornithology. I study all types of birds. My wife and I manage about 14 acres as a bird haven. We've helped neighbors diversify. We leave our windows open all seasons, and they're filled with bird songs every single day. I mean, at heart, I'm I'm, I'm a tree hugger. I'm an environmentalist. I'm a hunter. Like, think about that. This comment is not coming from the standpoint of, I don't care for all the other stuff out there, right? So we want to save them all, every species, but we also want quality places for people to enjoy the resource of waterfowl, which includes duck hunting on well-managed areas. But here's the real rub. What we seem to be doing is taking a thing we really know how to do well and replacing it with a thing we're not sure we can do at all. That is, we really know how to do waterfall conservation, waterfall habitat management, and provide quality hunting experiences for a hunting public that literally pays for that opportunity. And we're looking to trade that for a week at best science base to save species we aren't sure we can even save, and there aren't dollars even available to do that work. Look, you all pay tax dollars, you pay a tax on firearms and ammunition that is earmarked for conservation. It's been debated that those funds were, you know, like the original intent of that was only for game species, but are they, you know, for non-game species or not? But they're certainly being rated, and rated is the right word, for non-game species conservation. As I noted before, I'm all for species conservation, but let's everyone step up. The Atlantic Flyway Joint Venture is technically calls themselves an all-bird joint venture, but they don't do all birds. They focus on, you know, outgoing species in these coastal areas that are in, you know, they're they're going down the tubes. They're focused on black rails and salt, salt marsh sparrows and sea-sized sparrows. And, oh, you know, the black duck's included in there too, so chip us a bone. But in most meetings, 
And when you talk to these folks, they don't black ducks don't even show up in that conversation. So this is a real thing. I mean, the it, it, a lot of this is value system and culturally where we're going. I think we should all be focused on kind of all bird conservation. I think one of the first things we need to understand is when we did wetland conservation, what other critters came along with it, right? Some of my own research has done that. Like, let's not throw out one thing for the other. Let's just look at, like, what has the wetland conservation that we've done for waterfall done for other species? That should be a first step rather than just trading one for the other, a thing we know we can do for a thing we're not really at all certain that we can do. Um, it's it, To me, it's it's pretty simple. I mean, the Northeast U.S. National Wildlife refuge system abandoned farming on refuges simply based on some complete what i would call bs thoughts that glyphosate or roundup ready crops are like the evil thing that's killing everything right um you know when you when you so the northeast u.s national wildlife system is basically abandoned farming where the southeast still uses as, as a conservation tool I mean, we all know corn's not the answer to waterfall conservation. You can feed a mallard corn all day long, right? If it doesn't eat anything else, it dies. They need more nutrition than that, like we all do. But acting like crops aren't a tool to feed ducks is just absurd. The reality is, is that many of you are seeing the same type of thing at the local scale, this degradation of focused uh, efforts for waterfall. And the Fall Weather Podcast, really, comment is speak up. You know, be those howling hunters. Be informed. You know, don't be complacent. Um, Challenge folks with good questions. And, you know, the question is, are we going to save all birds on your island of land, on your little piece of wildlife management area, on your little piece of refuge the reality is is that many of these pie in the sky managers want to do the best they can for the resource and less and less of them are duck hunters or hunters at all and so the piece of land they manage is their legacy so please understand also that they're really passionate about that land that they work with but in terms of real impact the private landowner is really where it's at Right. In most cases, these little islands of land, these refuges, these wildlife management areas, they're not going to save species. So maybe, maybe we should use them as demonstration areas for how we on private land could manage, how we could incorporate agriculture into a landscape and still have species rather than treat them like these islands of biodiversity that are going to save every single animal everywhere all the time. Because that ain't happening. All right, that's a wrap for Howling Hunters 101. Be diplomatic, but be a voice. I mean, you matter as a duck hunter more than you think. If you see a lack of management for waterfowl, comment. If you see a problem with a waterfall hunting management system, comment. Mostly comment. Like, do it diplomatically. But but comment, be a voice, right? Um, provide that that input. Because if you don't, someone else is. All right, postscript here. Last comment. We're all in this together. So tons of love for all our colleagues that manage wildlife management areas with limited resources and do the best they can. We are certainly throwing shade here, um, and I think it's much deserved. 
but you know most of the time these folks are trying to do the right thing right nobody out there is a wildlife biologist is malicious right they're all trying to do the right thing it just might be misdirected with the money that's coming towards them and what they can actually get done on the land that they work with so as a duck hunter comment you know work with your folks Um, go to meetings have a say on how all this stuff goes down because if you don't um, I think you're going to get bulldozed I think culturally value system wise the country's changing Um, I believe that the folks in the waterfall world the waterfall professors i work with are working very hard to continue to train more and more waterfall biologists and i think we've done recently a great job of reversing a negative trend in the number of universities that are training waterfall biologists but it's going to take some time in between so so be the voice for your constituency because if you're not somebody else will be Okay, so on to the cold, cold, cold duck migration forecast for the week. That one word everybody at Southern Latitudes likes to hear, cold weather in the mid-continent. As forecast for the mid-continent in places farther west, I'd say most all the skinny water, that really uh, small potholes and such, uh, in North Dakota and Montana and places further north and west of there is pretty much froze up. And even some northerly portions of South Dakota kind of get thrown into that mix. Although that major freeze was mostly isolated to, you know, northern portions of of South Dakota. This isn't to say that birds can't be found in these northern areas. I know that there's still some, you know, some uh, open uh, streams, rivers, very large lakes and potholes, obviously, that are holding birds. But a lot of the smaller water that really holds puddle ducks is kind of froze up. Um, There's definitely diving ducks still moving through those those northern areas Um, but this week that cold continues through Tuesday in the mid-continent peaks in areas farther east on Wednesday and then everyone kind of moderates thereafter I'm not going to say reverse migration but there is a bit of a warm-up but if you go into the into Bismarck I mean nighttime temperatures are going to be in the single digits right so it's going to take a lot to move birds way back north but I'd really say that everyone south of Iowa should be still picking up early migrants, your gadwall, widgeon, green-winged teal, pintail, and shoveler, about that latitude. I use Iowa all the time. It's kind of a nice balanced area to talk about. Um, And south of that, those folks should be picking up those early migrants now. At that latitude of Iowa, your mallard should be peaking um, kind of southern Minnesota as well over to Wisconsin, you know, as they quickly kind of decrease in, in abundance at locales farther north and west of that region. In the upper Great Lakes region, kind of Michigan, across through Wisconsin, and the portions of Minnesota near the Great Lakes that stay a little warmer, um, mallard should be really peaking, and all week looks like a really good good bet for, for hunting. But I'd focus, if I was going to focus, I'd focus early in the week, where that really cold air to the north and west is going to continue to freeze up remaining water um, because by Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, temperatures will really moderate um, substantially. But also watch your winds on those nights. Um, I haven't looked at every wind direction, but you know, a good northwest wind an evening before would be good to kind of go the, the next day as well. Farther east in the Atlantic Flyway, <laughs> this is, continues to be the story. Nothing really noticeable in terms of mallard movement yet with uh, kind of weather severity index values. 
like the ones in, you know, the values in Ottawa, Ottawa, Ontario. I mean, that's on the border of uh, Ontario and Quebec, and they're still not great enough to cause any major movements of, of mallards. So probably a lot of stale mallards in the east right now. Um, early ducks, your your early puddle ducks are a better bet for moving, you know, even out of New York a little bit later this week and into Pennsylvania in the mid-Atlantic. If you live kind of south of New, New York, your best bet for a small push of widgeon and green-winged teal is actually over the weekend into probably early next week at this point. Um, so end of this week and into next week. This will probably be coupled, you know, some little bit of cold coming through as that system kind of moves across. It's not even going to be anywhere close to as cold in the east as it was in the mid-continent. But it's going to move through and then moderate. Um, but really that that cold shot during the week, uh, coupled with some shooting pressure in New York, um, you know, that in addition to kind of like borderline WSI values is kind of forecast to cause a small push of these early ducks south. So hopefully just in time for that Lake Erie zone opener and other parts of kind of northwest Pennsylvania that are currently open to uh, dis- December 2nd. Farther west, I'll, I'll go jump back west now, kind of just east of the Rockies in Wyoming, Colorado. Mallard shooting should be super hot and near peak right now where seasons are open. And places farther south should be continuing to see good kind of movements of early migrants like Widgeon and others into their region throughout the week with a peak day for fresh pintails forecast for Wednesday. Okay, so places south of like Wyoming, Colorado, I'd say fresh pintails um, on Wednesday would be your your best bet. All right, good luck and be safe out there, friends. Again, ducks are on the move again this week, so get after them. Where the ducks are hot this week goes to areas in Wyoming with a large swath all the way over to Iowa where mallard numbers should be really starting to peak and some other dabblers continue to hang around in in abundance, right? So for, I'd say, hot, fast, and diverse shooting. Where the ducks are not goes to kind of like Bismarck, North Dakota to the northwest, with again, there's yeah, there's some water, but it's pretty much a total freeze out event with mallards only remaining on kind of anywhere where there's flowing water and really big water and hitting fields where wind has blown snow off so birds can kind of access food. The other thing is a lot of the crops actually haven't fully come off everywhere um, throughout the prairie. So guys are looking at beans and standing corn yet that's got that's got snow in it. So, but that should moderate soon, and the, those folks are going to be right at um, running combines again. So, All right, folks, that's a wrap for the week. Good luck out there and get after them while the getting's good. This is one of the best early season freeze events I think we've seen in years. So be safe and, and get after them. Remember, when you see other migration alerts from others days after our forecast, uh, thank you uh, for being a dedicated listener and being the first to know when ducks move into your area because we're forecasting when they're going to be and where they're going to be and not telling you where they're already at. So spread the word about the Follow Weather podcast. We produce the only duck migration forecast available. Remember to share and follow us for free on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It's super important for us to get listeners to keep being able to deliver this cool information to you each week. So please share, follow, spread the word. Also look us up on the web at foulweather.co and check in for regular updates on that page. We're also on Facebook and Instagram as foulweather.co where we'll post episode links and updates. We are the forecast to your next successful hunt. Thanks for listening, 
And as always, may your skies be filled and shoot straight, my friends. Mm-hmm.